And tell me about finding Amelia. How did you find her and what, what made her stand out amongst, if you had you saw other people for the role, what made her kind of stand out? I mean, I saw maybe a hundred people for that part. <laughs> Amelia is just a really special actress. She was 17 when we shot. I, after watching audition after audition and, you know, we were looking for someone who could sign fluently, who would sing beautifully so that a teacher would pluck her out of a crowd and go, you're something really special and you have to do this. And I hate in films when someone is supposed to be incredibly talented and you're like, that's the painting that is supposed to be the brilliant painting or that's the voice that's, and she had that voice. Like when I heard Amelia sing for the first time and she'd never taken a singing lesson and she just had this tone to her voice that was so sweet and pure and gave me goosebumps. And, and so I felt like, and that with her acting, honestly, yeah, her accent. I mean, I mean that she just captured that Gloucester teenager, you know, that girl who has been working on a boat and, and she was so game. I mean, she went out on fishing boats with Troy and Daniel in rehearsal and they learned to fish with local fishermen. They learned how to run that boat, which is incredibly dangerous and crazy. And, and, you know, I just, from the moment that I saw her audition, I felt like she was the one. And then she spent, she really took it seriously to learn to sign, to learn about deaf culture. She had a deaf coach in Toronto and then she worked very closely with our ASL masters, um, Alexandria Wales and Ann Tomasetti, who were um, deaf collaborators for me behind the camera. And and she just pushed herself, you know, and, and wasn't ever satisfied until it was right. And I don't know, she's a gem. I think she's gonna be a giant movie star. This is Lisa Betty, and this is Killer Casting, Oscar Schmosker 2022 edition. We are in the home stretch, going to award the Zammy, which is my casting award for best casting. And of course, it's a collaborative award, um, best casting for the best picture. So that's Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Dune, Drive My Car, Belfast, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, King Richard, and Coda. We're, we're talking, making our way through all of those films talking about the casting deep diving into the background of the casting and holding it up to some criteria difficulty of roles um, the difficulty of achieving the story through the casting unusual casting choices thinking outside the box how does the chemistry work is there authenticity is there creativity discovery reinvention all of that stuff which film this year demonstrated that the most and we're going to jump right into the conversation with my pals Paul and Dean so here we go Last but not least, and I'm sure I have shown my hand, let's talk about Coda. Coda. Did we see that, Lisa? Did you did we see Coda? I, I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we oh, only no, we did a whole yeah, no, we, we, did. we did a whole episode about Coda oh, and, that's and our right. and our love. Oh, the one that made me ball like a baby. Oh that yes. One. Just even oh, think, think just even writing my notes about it, I started getting <laughs> reclumped. There's so many things to say about it, but just to talk about the casting, just the fact that, you know, Coda is based on a 2014 French comedy called La Famille Villiers. And in that French movie, they cast hearing actors to play deaf people, which of course is not going to fly 
you would think is not going to fly in the American version of it. But I have read over and over again that there was a push by some of the producers once Marley Maitland was cast to find somebody really fancy to play her husband who was not necessarily deaf. And thank goodness she and many of the rest of the creative team said, no, 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 we have to cast authentically. We have to cast deaf actors. And they did. And boy, what a long time coming. I mean, I've watched, and I've, I know I've said this before, but you know, I've been watching Troy Kotzer audition for me for over a decade. And I could not be more thrilled to see him in this film and just slam this role and make it more than it could ever have been with any other actor and to play off Marley so beautifully, you know, here she's this big star, this Oscar winning star, and yet they're completely balanced in their scenes. And of course that casting found, I got to find her name and uh, Amelia Jones, Amelia who, Jones. who had mm. never sung, who had had to learn sign language, who had to learn an American accent, who so many things and pulled it off. And of course, Eugenio Derbez, Daniel Durant. I mean, this cast is authentic, beautiful, carries the story, difficult roles, chemistry, authenticity, discovery, uh, and reinvention of Marley Maitland, who is not all that, I mean, her character is quite selfish in this film. You know, she's not the, the best mom. And that is a real pivot away from some of the things that she usually plays. Dean, take it away. Yes, I think it's fantastic that they don't necessarily have to make Marley Matlin out to be a perfect mom. And, you know, she's, oh, she's overcome the fact that she's deaf and she's, look, at she's great. She's such a great mom. You know, she's she's as flawed as any other mom. She just happens to be deaf. And I think that's a, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, characters in there are, are similarly, right? So I think, Daniel Durant's performance in this, I just love him to pieces mm. in this. I reckon he is just fantastic. It's like every time he's on screen, you cannot take your eyes off him. And it's just, it's wonderful. Look, I mean, I, I'm i not one for feel-good movies. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, like I said, I, I there were a couple of points in this movie that I choked up on. Well, I choked up in several, but a couple of points I just gave up. And just yeah, <laughs> me too. And I'm just like, you know what? I never do this. I don't care. You know, I'm just going to let go. And that's not to say that it's only a feel-good movie. It's not. It is a feel-good movie, but boy, there's a lot more to it than than that. It's just so cleverly uh, cleverly done. And the, But the performances are outstanding. And as you say, uh, Troy in particular and Marley and and Daniel and Amelia is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it was a movie that I went into not really expecting to get a lot out of. We're looking at the trailer, it's like, yeah, I can see where this is going. It's a paint-by-numbers film, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I finished it, you know, and had to sort of take a moment to collect myself. So I love this film and I love the casting in it. But even just the bottom. idea of using Eugenio Derbez, which, you know, I've read the casting director's begged him to do this film because he doesn't need to do this film. He's a huge actor in Mexico, known for comedies, you know, he's a filmmaker in his own right. And he really wanted to make sure, as he says, that he could do this in English in a way that was going to be as emotional as he wanted it to be. And so to convince him to do it, this actor who no American 
you know, audience is going to know the difference. But to go after this, these kinds of actors, I think is brilliant. And of course, casting mm. is a collaboration. You know, it takes Marley putting her foot down. It takes the casting directors, Debbie Keela and Trisha Wood and Lisa Zagoria. It takes, you know, the producers who championed this script for a very, very long time and took it from Lionsgate to another bunch of financiers. I mean, to believe that you could find a authentic deaf family and Amelia's character. I just mm. think it's incredible. So for me, the 2022 Zammy Award for Excellence in Casting goes to Coda, hands down, with some really good runners up. I mean, you can't fault any of my colleagues. I mean, they are just killing it. They're they're bringing such amazing talent to these projects and serving the writers and the directors um, that they work so hard for. They serve them so well. Uh, I guess I just wanted to, I, it was remiss of me not to mention you. Uh, I was going to call him Eugenio, but that would just be my Australian pronunciation. You, Eugenio, is that right? Eugenio. Mm-hmm. Eugenio. When he came on screen, the second the cameras hit him, I literally sat up in my seat going, oh my God, he just radiated superstar. And I'm going, and the minute he opened his mouth, he delivered like two sentences. And I just went, who the fuck is this guy? Mm -hmm. It was, um, it was like we had a superstar in the film, but I don't know. I've never seen this guy. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the backstory that you just explained makes total sense because he is just, Wow. I'm just like, I can't wait to see him in the next thing. So remiss of me. I apologize, Eugenio, as, as if you're ever going to hear this, but <laughs> in case you stumbled across it, magnificent. Well, 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 well done, sir. I want to bring up just a just a couple quick, quick mm-hmm. beats of some films that were not best picture nominees, but were worth mentioning. First of all, I've never understood the backlash against Kristen Stewart, who I've always thought was pretty good. And mm-hmm. I really liked her in Still Alice with Julianne Moore. I've not seen her in Spencer where she plays uh, Diana, but I'm glad that she's an Oscar. I'm glad that she's getting some attention because I've actually always thought she was pretty good. I never got the I never got the hate for her. Um, I was just watching her today in Twilight Full Moon, by the way. It was on and I could not turn it off for some reason. Now, the, there's a film where there was a lot of controversy about the casting and being the Ricardos. With a lot mm-hmm. of people wanted Deborah Messing to play mm-hmm. Lucille Ball. Javier Bardem is Spanish. He's not Cuban. And mm-hmm. of course, the Sp- there's there's a lot of the fact that it was the Spanish who colonized Cuba, uh, led for a little bit. Why is a Spaniard playing a Latino character caused some controversy? Um, they they're they're both wonderful in the film. Javier mm-hmm. Bardem doesn't look anything like Desi Arnaz. <laughs> he doesn't. And yet he embodied, no, even close. he embodied Desi Arnaz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole Kidman did not do a Lucille Ball impersonation. It was, it kind of reminded me of how Anthony Hopkins didn't do a Richard Nixon impersonation. He just gave a performance of a character mm-hmm. who happened to be named Richard Nixon. Nicole Kidman wasn't trying to do Lucy. There's a couple of snippets where they do, they recreate parts of the show, but most of it is seeing how she is behind the scenes. And of course, the biggest example of that working in this that film was J.K. Simmons, who looks nothing like <laughs> William Frawley. And in fact, J.K. Simmons is like he's completely lean. He has no body fat. And <laughs> William Frawley is this big pudgy dude. Uh, and yet he just embodied 
that character to the point where it was very he was there those three were very very effective in that role in those roles of course they're all three are oscar winners already and none of them have a prayer of, of winning this upcoming weekend i just thought it was interesting that in those three instances there's there were pushing against their casting and they none of them did impersonations and yet they it's my favorite kind of performance of real life characters which is they just embody the spirit of the yeah. characters without trying to do you know, a cheap impersonation. Yeah. And Francine Maisler, who also cast this movie along with uh, Kathy Driscoll, she said exactly that, that they were looking for the essence. She's worked with Aaron Sorkin for collaborated with him for a very long time. And that's, you know, really what they were looking for. So where I live, one minute it's raining and the next minute it's 80 degrees and the trees and plants in my yard start going crazy, which makes my nose, throat and eyes go crazy with all the pollen. But luckily for me, I have gotten relief from the good folks at Plantiva and their natural proprietary formulation of herbal extracts called Allerdx. I mean, I was sneezing and sniffling about to go into a Zoom meeting but I took an Aller DX and in 10 minutes, I had immediate relief. I mean, it was really something. So Plantiva is a family-run business and I have had the pleasure of meeting the Morrisseys, Dr. Steven and his wife, Jenny. And let me tell you, they are the real deal. I am really enjoying the products that they've had me sample. So you can try them yourself. Go to plantiva.com slash killercasting for your exclusive discount code. Because the Oscar seasons doesn't exist the way it used to exist, there used to be a sense of momentum of this film's getting box office draw, this film's getting uh, some, this film's getting, it's gaining an audience. Some films took a few months to gain their audience. Without that, this really feels like it's in a vacuum. Like I have no sense of who's going to win what. I, I do the, my only predictions that I'm going to make. Uh, I'm going to make two predictions. I don't have a sense of who the hell is going to win anything for best picture or director. I do think Will Smith is going to win an Oscar over Benedict Cumberbatch and over Andrew Garfield and Javier Bardem and Denzel Washington. Mm. Uh, I have no, uh, I have no sense of who's going to win best actress because it's Jessica Chastain. Kristen Stewart, Nicole Kidman, Olivia Coleman, Penelope Cruz. Uh, Kidman, Coleman, and Cruz are already winners. Not that that matters, but you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes the person who hasn't won yet will get a vote. And that's her case this time because, as you said, they've all previously won. So yeah, um, I think Ariana DeBose is going to win for West Side Story, and I think Kenneth Branagh is going to win something, whether it's the screenplay, the director, or Kenneth Branagh is not going to walk away empty-handed uh but director i mean who's is it going to be brana i think i think brana is going to win director uh i don't think they're ever going to give it to paul thomas anderson spielberg jane campion and um uh, hamaguchi is going to win for best foreign film so he's going to walk away with something so i think brana is going to win director but i have no i have no sense of who's going to win picture because there's not that there's not that sense of Mm. momentum but did, did, they did not used to uh, nominate 10 pitches 
or well, 10 different. Like doing, they, they, in the, they started doing that around 2010 right. as a response to the fact that a lot of big budget blockbusters were like, it was that sense of they're ignoring the films that really have made a cultural impact to sort of pat themselves on the back for being self-important. So that's really been since 2010. And that was, uh, that was kind of the dark night. Uh, that was the dark night rule that, you know, dark night was not a best picture nominee and the films that were nominated were going like, Hey, no one's going to remember these other films. They're all going to remember dark night. And so they expanded it. And that's when you start seeing some black Panther was the best picture nominee. Mad mm. Max was, a lot of the Pixar films became Best Picture nominees that would not have been in the past. Um, I thought Mad Max was the best film of that decade, uh, but that's that's just me. But yeah, I, I think I think you're right though. That, and and of course, the more they, you know, if you have ten nominees, it obviously gets harder to pick because you're going to get a dark horse from anywhere. But I think particularly as you say this year, that the film, the best best film or best uh, best picture is really wide open. I think Richard is a lock uh, for for best actor. Yeah, and I mean, really, you know, with Troy. If if he's come in and he's won, what was it? He's won the SAG, the BAFTAs, Critics' Choice. I mean, if they upturn that, uh, that's just that would be just unheard of. Well, yeah, again, there is no they. Speaking of Chadwick Boseman, they were so certain that yeah. exactly Boseman right. Was the best yeah. factor that's that right. they push Best Picture aside so they can finish the show with Best Actor, and instead it was oh, it's Anthony Hopkins who's at home having a pina colada. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> okay, one thing. One, one thing I do need to get off my chest. I think that uh, although it didn't touch me as per, you know super personally, uh, it does in the sense that um, I think um, uh, Dune is going to win a ton of technical awards. I think mm-hmm. it's going to get. I think it's going to get best sound and best music for Zimmer. I think it's going to get best cinematography. So. Greg Frazier. Okay, right. Greg Frazier is going to join uh, Roger Deakins with a big mural of Denis Villeneuve right over his, right in the middle of his lounge room, and he's going to be genuflecting to it like four times a day because Denis going to get him an Academy Award. Not that, of course, Deakins is not a legend already, but I think Dune's going to get like that. It's going to get VFX, uh, SFX, um, cinematography, um, maybe costuming, or oh, sorry, a design. It's I think the design of it is absolutely stunning. But once again, and he's going to walk away. You know, no best director, no best picture, none of that stuff. But that's my prediction. But maybe that's just my ongoing Blade Runner twenty forty nine bitterness coming out, as people well know. Um, <laughs> one of the big star studded uh, categories is going to be original song, where there's going to be a lot of intrigue with some of the nominees. Van Morrison is nominated of course ubiquitous diane warren that, that grumpy is, that grumpy motherfucker should not win just because he's that grumpy I'm he is saying, the grumpiest fucking human being uh, i know on the planet let, let me let me let me continue uh diane warren who's sometimes nominated for coughing uh <laughs> billy eilish who i think is famous she Beyonce, is beyonce is nominated I know she's famous. <laughs> and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's going for the EGOT. Because he doesn't have the O in the mm. EGOT yet. Gotcha. Or Encanto. Nice. So there's uh, there's some intrigue there. You have uh, um, Flea is nominated for documentary and animation. That is an unusual combination for a... Uh, 
for a film to be nominated for best documentary feature and best animated feature. You the the Venn diagram of films that would qualify for both of those <laughs> is a very very thin mm, very sliver. Specific. Mm. Very very thin sliver. I recall reading that because it's, I've been insanely busy in the last couple of months. But did 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 uh, like best screenplay get bumped out of the main awards? Or is it still in? What got bumped into I, the I, I, into the I, pre-broadcast section? I think screenplay did, which is a, which is a tragedy for me. It's like, what the actual fuck? Are you kidding me? There was a scene in. There's a scene in future in Futurama. Okay, trust me on this. All right, Futurama. There is an episode in Futurama where Zoidberg, he his his uncle Harold Zoid, makes a film. Anyway, they're at the Oscars. And there's 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 a couple of really funny gags, right? One of them is they peek out from behind the curtain, and and some one of the characters says, "What's going on?" And the other one says, "They're handing out one of the minor technical awards. I think it's for writing." That was a, that was a fucking joke ten right? minutes, like ten years ago, and now it's that was a rim shot, and now it's like in it's like get you have got to be kidding me. And oh the other, the other one that was really funny in the same episode was they read that they, they read the so they intentionally read the wrong winner, and the two guys from Price Waterhouse are, are backside again right beside the curtain, and he says one of them looks at the card and says, "But that's not the real winner," and he says, "Shh, shut up. We'll just do it like that year way back in the day with Marissa Tomai. Just be quiet." <laughs> Oh. oh, no, I don't agree with That's that. A However, That's a burn. That's were that, Both of those, both of those gags happened in the same episode. And when I heard that they put screenwriting down, I'm like, you are, it's, this is, it's a joke, right? This is just a, this, somebody's a fan of a Futurama. This is not really going to happen. Like, cause you don't, not like you need a screenplay or a script to film, you know, make a film, right? Apparently I love not. it when shows have like become prescient, like the Ricky Gervais show extras had the brilliant episode with Kate Winslet uh, and Kate Winslet kept saying, I'm only doing this Holocaust film because I want to win an Oscar. I keep, I keep missing out on the Oscar and I, I figured I got to win one. So I'm going to do a Holocaust film. That's the quickest way to get an Oscar. And she does the reader a Holocaust film. And that's what she wins the Oscar for. Life imitating art. Imitating She's no life. dummy. Well, by the way, lady. I will, I will say, you know, when people say a, a film is offensive, it's usually based upon whether how it depicts a race or how it depicts sexuality or something like that. I found The Reader to be one of the most offensive films I've ever seen in my life. It was a rancid pile of dog meat. The only film I found worse than that, and I can't even remember the name of it, but it was because it was incredibly large or dangerously close with Tom Hanks. And oh yeah, incredibly loud. Bug, yeah, incredibly loud and incredibly mm. offensive. Uh, <laughs> one of the worst. It, it was uh, my jaw kept hitting my lap because it was it was it was the most obvious piece of Oscar bait I've ever seen, and was just every time they could make an offensive, just cloying decision in that film, they did it and. Uh, uh, um, about September 11th. And it's uh, you, a film like that should not elicit unintentional laughter, but uh, it was just oh, God. so horrible a movie in every way. And the fact it was made by the same guy who did the reader makes you say, get out, out, get out now. I'm tipping Netflix is not going to be your, your Netflix, Paul, is not going to be throwing up any movies by him somehow. No, 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 no. At all. It's all right, like, guys. 
let's yep. let's wrap it. This is great. Thank you as always. It's always so good to have my savant here, my other savant. And you know, I'm I'm actually looking for. <laughs> I'm actually looking for. We didn't. We never told the Mickey Rourke. Sorry, let me tell me. I think my reaction, if Troy Kotzer wins for Best Supporting Actor, my I will be screaming, crying, peeing my pants, jumping up and down, um, waving my fingers, which is how you clap um, for give applause for people who don't. Um, who who are deaf? Um, what, like this, like what forwards like and backwards. This. See how I'm flapping my hands like oh. this, sort of this, like this. Yeah, um, I will I be it. so Thank happy, you. and it will be only second to the happiness I experienced. Paul, do you want to tell this story real quick? <laughs> well, I don't know if I could say it real quick, except the fact that you hated the movie The Wrestler with <gasps> Mickey Rourke. Lisa, we have to you, break up. I don't even you, remember why I hated it. You, so you, because you thought, and it's because it's you got, thought it's yeah, got you know why, you it was well. a, a cloying piece of. They, see my reaction to uh, um, the reader, and that was your reaction to The Wrestler. And uh-huh. you felt that the praise for Mickey Rourke was uh, unwarranted. You felt like he's just, what's he doing that's so great? And you also happen to love uh, the the Gus Van Sant film Milk yeah. with Sean Penn, right? That and, was well. That was yeah, of course. And so when and Mickey Rourke was favored to win Best Actor that year, instead Sean Penn won his second Oscar. And I think you said "fuck you, motherfucker, Mickey Rourke." <laughs> like you, you treated like it was like you, like you were. You slammed it in the face like you dunked on it. I jumped up. And you jumped I just... up. <laughs> you jumped up like 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 someone just hit an upper deck home run in the ninth inning. That's a baseball <laughs> reference. And uh, but then but you managed to give a fuck you, Mickey Rourke. Oh, no, I said take that, Rourke. Oh, take that's right. Take that. that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. He, that yeah, was right. He... Take that, Mickey Rourke. That's right. No, you're you're right. I I stand corrected. Which, uh, in retrospect, I don't know why I was so upset with him because I I, I don't, didn't I either. Don't I thought your work was fine. <laughs> no, I thought maybe the I don't know. Whatever. Um, I think there were some scenes with Evan Rachel Wood in the middle where it was like, "Daddy, Daddy, I love you, I love you," blah blah blah, something like that. Oh, I know. There's one specific scene where they walked into this little area. They start having a dance, and you said on the couch, "What the fuck." <laughs> As I want to do. Okay. That, well, that's a Hollywood term, that. I think, isn't it, Paul? You got to you've got to have years on set to understand that. I think. Look, look I just want to say one thing here. I know this podcast. The moment where I know this podcast has made it is if I'm driving down Hollywood Boulevard next year, and there for your consideration for the Zammies, <laughs> if that's going to be on a billboard, <laughs> if people start buying out space and variety, as I'm trying to win the Zammy. If we start calling the EGOT the Z GOTs because you want to get the Z, the Z, and the Sammy, the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, the Tony, I got to be a Z GOT. That's well, right. Look, well, speaking of Hollywood, if you drive down there uh, after next week, and if Troy does get up, and Lisa's going to claim credit for that for a uh, you know Oscar for hashtag Oscar for Troy, That's she right. may take out her own billboard and say, "This is it, killer casting, tag this. I we did. made this happen. You owe us, Troy. You owe us." I started that tag a year ago. No, whatever I'm, it was, I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, this has been great. Thank you. And for now, this is Killer Casting signing out. Hold. 
Killer Casting is a concept created by her, Lisa Zambetti. It is produced by me, Dean Laffin. Logo art by my beautiful wife, April Laffin. Audio editing by him, Sean at choicevoiceproductions.com. And our theme music, We Are Beautiful, comes from them. That would be Hollywood Legends, Amphibious Zoo Music. Until next time, Killer Casting out.